Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Wednesday, March 9th, 2022. I have really been enjoying our format for Revival from the Bible this year, where we're reading through both the Old Testament and the New Testament in a more chronological order. So we're reading through the events as they, in the order in which they happened, instead of the order in which they were written or the order um, in which now we have them in our English Bibles. And so, so far that's been more interesting in the New Testament where we're kind of going through a harmony of the Gospels and a lot of days we're reading from multiple Gospels because we're really going through the life of Christ. And in the Old Testament, it's been a little more Standard. We did the book of Job early on, but other than that, we've read through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Well, today we get to something that we'll see more of throughout the year. We get to our first psalm, and we get what we'll see this is we'll sprinkle the psalms in. Obviously, when we're reading through the life of David, there will be a lot of psalms that will be kind of going back to, and that there will be some days where we're alternating, reading some about David and reading some Psalms, or even just some days where we just focus on Psalms. But we come across the first one now in the middle of the book of Numbers. Why? Well, we're going to look at Psalm 90, which is called a Psalm of Moses. And why would we get to it now? I think you'll find today's reading is actually going to be fascinating, but we're going to actually need to start with the book of Numbers. And we're looking at Numbers, or as we've been calling the book as we read through it, Warriors chapter 14. And yesterday's reading was critical. These chapters, especially 13 and 14, are the hinge on which this book swings. And really a lot of what goes on in this period of biblical history, it pivots on these events, the 12 men going to spy on Canaan and the results that they bring back. Yesterday we referred to this as the original taking ground project, but it fails. Uh, And it fails because they, they complain, they squabble, and then in the end they doubt. They doubt God. And we see that doubt even leads to something worse. And that's what we're going to see as we start by looking at Numbers chapter 14 where they they come and they bring back this bad report and they exaggerate how big the people in the land are and how defended the cities are. And then it says, then all the congregation raised a loud cry and the people wept that night. And the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, the whole congregation. So notice the unity of the whole congregation of the people saying to Moses and Aaron, would that we had died in the land of Egypt Or would that we had died in this wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? Then they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Wow, look at that. They doubt so much that they they complain. They, they say, man, it would have been better in Egypt. And they go one step further saying, let's go back. Let's pick a new leader and let's go back to Egypt. Doubt and unbelief ultimately leads to rebellion, turning their back on God, turning their back on his plan. And notice Joshua and Caleb, then they tear their clothes, they get up and they try to say, no, we can do this because God can do this. 
And they say in verse 9, only do not rebel against the Lord. So rebellion is, is their word, not mine. And do not fear the people or of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And he's saying, have faith, believe God, don't doubt and rebel against him. But then we see the rebellion taken to a new level in verse 10, when it says, then all the congregation said to stone them with stones, but the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel, right? As they come to stone them with stones, God shows up in his glory. And he basically says, I'm going to strike them down, Moses, and I'm starting a new nation with you. Very similar to what we see at the golden calf. And then we see Moses again intercede for the people. And just some things to note about that. Again, notice how Moses appeals to the glory of God. And he's saying, do you want the Egyptians to say, verse 16, it is because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land that he swore to give to them, that he has killed them in the wilderness? God, do you want the Egyptians to doubt your power? And then he goes on even to quote the words that God gave him uh, as God revealed himself to him in Exodus 34. Remember after the golden calf when Moses says, show me your glory and God passes by him and he says, the Lord, the Lord. And then he uses these words. The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgressions, but he will know by no means clear the guilty. These are the words that God has already used. So in his prayer of intercession, he is appealing to uh, the glory of God, he is appealing to the words of God, and there is a great pattern for us. As we seek to intercede for others, we need to call out to God to glorify his own name. We need to call out to God based on what he has revealed to us in his word. And I think our intercession for others will grow more powerful if we do that. So that's kind of another lesson we see. There's so much in Numbers, especially 13 and 14, uh, that I wish we could, you know, we could spend hours unpacking these. But even just that prayer is something that is powerful. But then we see God uh, relenting and not wiping out the people. But this is why the Israelites wander for 40 years. He says, okay, but... Every single one of these people that have doubted, they're going to die in the wilderness. And the only ones that are going to go in are Joshua and Caleb because they followed me fully. I mean, that's another just incredible idea. The example that these guys set of Joshua and Caleb, their example here is is pretty amazing as well because of the trust that they had in God in this moment. We want to follow their example. But uh, we we see God saying, no, these people, they're all going to die in the wilderness. So again, all the warriors that are numbered in chapter one of numbers die except for Joshua and Caleb. Why? Because they followed God fully in this moment. They trusted God. So we'll get to another census at the end of the book. And that's the thing you need to know. There's The numbers are similar, but only two of them are actually the same people. Because a whole generation has died in the wilderness because of their lack of faith. So just a few things to note from just all that's gone on in Numbers 13 and 14. Notice how serious the sin of unbelief is. Unbelief leads to rebellion. And look at how God really thinks about that. And that's where even, look, Moses appeals to the glory of God. He exalts the glory of God. Unbelief and doubt really impugn the glory of God. 
unbelief and doubt do not glorify God because we do not believe that God is who he says that he is. So we need to look at our own hearts and just really examine, am I believing God? Am I following him fully like Joshua and Caleb? Or am I letting some doubt or some fear cause me to shrink back from what God is clearly calling me to or doubting that God can provide for what he is calling me to? And especially as we think, you know, in our terms of yesterday, thinking about project taking ground or whatever, or just the mission of a church or, or missionaries, right? Those that are setting themselves to serve the Lord, to do his will. That takes a lot of faith to do that. But here in these chapters, we should find fuel for our faith. Just incredible chapters. And this is now sets the stage for Psalm 90. Now, Psalm 90 is a well-known psalm, and it really contrasts our humanity and how finite we are with God and his infinity and how eternal he is. And that's the contrast that you see here. But notice in the middle of the psalm, Psalm 90, in verse 10, it says, the years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. And that's where we're all like, yeah, the, the average lifespan is about 75 to, you know, right, between 70 and 80. So that's pretty spot on. Okay, well, the average life expect, expectancy when? In modern U, the United States of America, that's when that life expectancy is. That has not been the normal life expectancy for humanity throughout history. How old is Moses going to be when he dies? 120. And, and some of his contemporaries living to similar ages. So it seems that the actual average lifespan of a healthy person in this time could have still been more than 100 years. And so when he's saying the years of our life are 70 or by reason of strength 80, and this is a psalm of Moses, and you consider everything, this psalm actually fits very well in the wilderness with a generation being struck down in the wilderness before their time because of their lack of faith. And you even just see Look at verse 7, for we are brought to an end by your anger, and by your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath, we bring our years to an end like a sigh. These seem like words written while a generation is dying out, wandering around in the wilderness. And so now we need to think differently Verse 12 says, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom, right? It starts to turn in verse 12 to think of God, think of the limit of our days, and then satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. So there you get a sense of Moses leading this people, crying out to God, God, we need your help. And so in the end, you see it really is a cry of faith. God, work for your glory. Show your glorious power. Establish the work of our hands ultimately so that you may be honored and glorified. And you can see how this psalm may fit into the wilderness. And hopefully this psalm also helps you think through, what am I doing with my life? Am I living a life of faith that honors God and seeks to serve the king by fulfilling the mission that the king has given us? And I'm going to trust him and cry out to him to establish the work of my hands? Or are we walking in unbelief and ultimately rebellion? 
So hopefully Psalm 90 it goes along well with um, Numbers 14 in giving us God is big, God is eternal, let's trust Him, let's follow Him, let's commit our work to Him, because the alternative is dying out in the wilderness. So many more Psalms to come, but what a powerful way to start. And Numbers 13, 14, man, if anyone thinks the book of Numbers is boring, I mean, those are two of the most critical chapters in the entire Old Testament. And I hope our faith is built up as a result of them. Now, in the New Testament today, we just look at John 7, 32 through 53. And uh, here we're just reading through one part as we're reading through John. Sometimes John will be the gospel you'll see the most by itself since it has the most material that is unique to John. But just one thing to notice here is the continued confusion about Jesus. Things that are said about Jesus that are all over the map. But again, Jesus gives us the reality. Consider what he says in verse 37. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Instead of wandering around in unbelief in the wilderness, may we be people who walk around with rivers of living water flowing out of our hearts because we've got past the confusion about Jesus to believe in him as our Savior and as our King and Lord. Uh, he is the Messiah. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. May our faith be in him. And we prayed in Psalm 90, God, satisfy us in the morning with your love. Well, he will satisfy us with rivers of living water through faith in Jesus Christ. So may we not be people of unbelief, people of doubt. May we be people of faith, trusting in Jesus, following God holy like Joshua and Caleb and experiencing the revival that comes from those rivers of life flowing out of our souls. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.